I, I am so excited every time I see, matter of fact, we've seen that video twice. This is the second time. Can we just give it up one more time for all that God is doing? Come on, in Church of the King, it's the Lord. To God be the glory. And it's through you guys. I, I want to take just a couple minutes, and before we jump into our message, and, and I wanted to say this, how many of y'all are enjoying hope again? Come on. Are y'all enjoying it? <clears throat> Small groups, devotionals. I'm going to be teaching through Romans chapter 7 and 8, but I want to take just a couple moments. Uh, you guys, all of our campuses, I know this is going live to all of our campuses, you received a brochure when you came in. I want to talk just a couple minutes about it. I want to talk a little bit about what God's doing in our church for about 10 or 12 minutes. Then we'll pray over our regular giving, and then I'm going to jump into the book of Romans. But I want to first of all say this. It is amazing what God is doing through this church. Matter of fact, when I saw that video, I was reminded about all that's happening in our prisons, in our jails. Uh, this year, we've always been in St. Tammany Parish Jail. We've always been, well, the last probably five or six years in the Orleans Justice Center, but now in the Hancock County Jail. So to be clear, 3,000 inmates each Sunday are watching Church of the King live. Can we give the Lord a hand clap for that? Oh, and by the way, by the way, I'm meeting people all the time. All the time that pastor, we started connecting uh, with the church. We, we heard about the church. We met Christ in jail, and, and now they're part, of, they're part of our church. The reality is, is that Church of the King is for everyone. Everyone say everyone. It's for everyone. It's for all people, all cultures, all races. It's, it's where you can come meet God, where you can grow in your relationship with God. The reality is, is that God is doing amazing things, and to be honest, and I know it's been challenging for the last two years, just think about it, who would have thought in March 2020, all of it's taking place, the last, I would say, now what, 23 months, I know it's been a tough time for a lot of people, I know the challenges, the, the, all the tension in our culture, and even challenges in people's personal lives, but, I always like to put, but, it's like when Paul's writing in the book of Ephesians, says, but, all things, I, I just, there's something about that divine moment where we say, but God is still moving. There's tough times. Everybody say, but God. Matter of fact, all of us would be wiped out, but God stepped in and saved our lives. How many are grateful for that? But God. And I tell you, there's been some but God moments at Church of the King the last two years. Matter of fact, I didn't know what was going to take place in our church. I, I didn't know. You know, when COVID began, I thought, my gosh, you, know, you can't meet, do all these different things. And yet, there's been a lot of strategic but gods. For example, we beefed up not only our online, matter of fact, 64,000 people, I think 74,000 people last year alone uh, watched it. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But there's been so many opportunities, opportunities for our church to expand, to open campuses, to multiply. Yes, the last two years during this crazy time. You know, it's interesting, I, I, I didn't think about it till the other day when I was putting this together, this little 12-minute thing, but it's interesting that we celebrated 20 years as a church in November right before COVID, so four or five months before that, and we, we were just excited, and I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, I know everyone uh, that was part of it, it was exciting, we had videos, we showed videos back when, well, when I actually looked a teeny bit younger than I do now, come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Just a little bit younger. And it was so exciting. And, and, and you know what? There's a deal with every church. Every church has to make a decision to be more committed to the future than the past. 
I love the past. I love what God's done in our past. I love the fact of, of all the miracles and all the thousands of people. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm more committed to the future than I am the past. I, I'm more committed to what God's going to do than what God has done. By the way, there's value in looking at the past. The Bible talks about remembering the faithfulness of God. So we remember the past. Why? To give us faith for our future. And here's the thought. If, God done it, if God's done it once, God will do it again. So there's value in looking at the past. Don't misunderstand me. But we look to the past. We show videos of the past. We talk about the past to give us faith for the future. And I am so excited that our first decade was great. I'm excited about our second decade, but I'm excited about our third decade and beyond and beyond that. Why? Because God's got a plan for this church. By the way, God's got a plan for your life. Be more married to the future than the past. You want to stay fresh and alive in God? Be more married to the future. And the Christian, the hope in our hearts is that we know where we're going. Our eternal home is in heaven. It's almost like there's this divine pull, and it gets better and better and better. The Bible says we go from faith to faith, glory to glory. So Church of the King, it started again. In 1999, I was a part of a church in Metairie called Victory Church, and Pastor Frank and Paris Bailey, and they, they asked my wife and I, I was in that church, I was a youth evangelist, ran a ministry called Next Generation, they asked if I'd come across the lake. And a matter of fact, one of our elders still, our founding elder, Dr. Greg Mule, approached him, and there was a part of a church here, and it had folded, and they wanted to start, there were some families wanted to start a church on the North Shore. That was our original campus. Now, I know we've got campuses all over, but, and, and my pastor asked uh, me if we'd pray about it. This was the spring of 99. April, he talked to me about it. May, he talked about it. All the way until August, finally, we prayed about it, and Jennifer and I really sensed, okay, this is from the Lord. By the way, Church of the King was never my idea. It was God's idea. By the way, that ought to bring you some confidence. <laughs> this is not like one man thought this up. This is God. How many are grateful this is God's place? Come on. It's God's. It wasn't like, let's do a strategic analysis from a demographic study. It was like, hey, would you go over there? I don't really, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. You know, and the reality is, is that God, God did it. Matter of fact, every campus that we have, Baton Rouge. We have the Baton Rouge campus. It was, there was an eldership of the church that was there previously approached us and our elders if we would consider taking that property and that church over. It's Biloxi, the same thing happened. We planted a church there. The pastor is a friend of mine. He says, Steve, I just, I'm asking you guys to take Bay St. Louis. Bay St. Louis last year, Pastor Frank and Terry, you guys are watching right now. They came to us and said, would you consider? Atlanta, same thing. There was a group of hundreds of people that were watching online. Would you consider? So every campus that we've opened, we've, been in, we've had a Macedonian call. It wasn't strategic, let's go there. It was, would you please come here? And we had to pray about it. We know this at Church of the King. We don't want anything in our hands that God's not placed there. By the way, I want to encourage business people. You don't want anything in your hands that God's not placed there. That's where stress and worry and fear comes from. And so we're excited about our future. We're excited about the vision. It's never changed. By the way, I had somebody recently come back to our church that moved away. They go, you guys are doing the same thing that y'all were doing 15 years ago. Y'all are still reaching people. Everybody say reaching people, building lives. It's the same vision that we have. We're never changing that. And as long as y'all allow me to be the pastor at some point in time, 
Y'all going to push me across the street to Waffle House? Can I have a witness in God's house? You know, at some point in time. But listen, but listen. The church, what, is our, what is our metrics to evaluate whether or not we're doing well as a church? Here's what it is. Are we seeing people come to Christ, and are they being discipled as fully devoted followers of Christ? That's what makes Church of the King tick. Are people getting saved? Are people being discipled? That's what it's about. Everybody say reaching people, building lives. That's the vision. And by the way, every year, I'll cast the vision of fresh first weekend of January. I think it was the 6th and 7th. I'm not sure exactly. Or 7th and 8th uh, this year. And, and I talked about the vision of our church. You have a per- God has a personal vision for your life, but also a corporate vision for us as a church. How does it work? The pastors cast the vision, and the people partner with that vision. It's a, watch this. It's a kingdom partnership. We all partner together. I've said this before. I need you, and you need me. The pastors need all the people in the church and all the people. Why? Because we're working together. Everybody say partnership. Just like Luke chapter 5. Peter, there was a big harvest and it was all coming in and he had a call for the other partners in the boat. There's, we have to understand that what God, healthy churches that are reaching their communities, they see themselves as a divine family, yes, but there's a partnership where we're using our gifts and our talents and our abilities to all come together to expand and multiply kingdom impact. So we are officially changing a name that we had, not our church name, but a name. We had what's called a legacy team. A legacy team this is important. I've got about seven or eight minutes. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to come back and do Romans. But we had a thing called legacy team that we had. What was legacy team? Legacy team were people that were committed to giving above their tithes to multiply and expand ministry in three areas in local church projects expanding campuses number two in student ministries and then number three in local and global missions we had that we've had that name for five years we actually had it for two years then we went through beyond which was a capital campaign that officially finished uh, in January and we're excited to announce all the different things that are going on at the campuses but when we came out of beyond we thought instead of using the term legacy again We just felt like a better term is the word kingdom builders. And here's the reason why. Legacy feels a little bit old school, just to be honest. It's almost like you're at the end of your life. I'm going to live a little bit to the Lord. No, how many of you know that we need to be active in our 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, expanding the kingdom of God? We don't wait till we made it to give to God. We give to God and we expand the kingdom in every age and every decade that we live. Are you with me? So I personally, legacy is a concept, kingdom builder is a person. Let me say that again. Legacy is a concept. A kingdom builder is a person. So, Pastor Steve, what is a kingdom builder? Let me be very clear what a kingdom builder is. A kingdom builder is anyone at Church of the King. I want every campus to hear me. It's not a fundraising strategy. We're not raising funds in that way. We're not signing pledge cards in that. I'm trying to build a mindset biblically in you that a kingdom builder is anybody that gives $1 above their regular tithes. Because I want to teach you, the Bible talks about, everybody say tithes, and everybody say offerings. So a kingdom builder is anybody that gives $1 above their tithe. That's it. And then, of course, you grow in that. Now, I I want to say this is important. We do not apologize at Church of the King talking about tithing. We don't, matter of fact, we don't apologize talking about anything that's in the Bible. We don't apologize talking about that Jesus is the only way to a relationship with God. We don't apologize talking about God's definition for marriage. We don't apologize talking about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we don't apologize that the Bible talks about the first 10% of our income belongs to God. We don't apologize about that at Church of the King. 
And here's the reason why. Here's the reason. Because it'll set you free. Matter of fact, Proverbs chapter 3, I'll give you one scripture. This is the tithe, because I'm talking about, you have to understand that this is the floor, not the ceiling. A kingdom builder is somebody who's a tither, but they understand the importance of giving above that to multiply kingdom impact. What, what is a tithe? Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the what? Everybody say this word, say it. First fruits of all of your increase. So a tither. And by the way, let me say this. This may be new for some of you. All right. Tithing is not generosity. Tithing is about lordship and putting God first. Generosity is above the tithe. It's called seed above the tithe. What does the tithe do, Pastor Steve? Here's what it does. It keeps money out of your heart and it keeps it in your hands. Ooh. Jesus talked about there's only two gods, him or money. And what keeps money as a tool? A wonderful tool. Nothing. God doesn't have a problem with you having money. He has a problem with money having you. What keeps it out of your heart and in your hands, the tithe? Because every time you get paid, you put God first, that first 10%. So what is a kingdom builder? Anybody that gives $1 above the tithe. So let me give you five minutes about this brochure, and then I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to go back. This is not a capital campaign. We're not starting a cap. This is not a financial fundraising strategy. This is a way of life as a kingdom person where we understand tithing, but we understand over and above. And we're part of a church that's planting campuses, that's reaching the poor, that's helping people in jails and prisons. Let me show you just a couple things, and then we're going to pray. This is exciting. You guys ready? So what is a kingdom builder? This is in your brochure. A kingdom builder, that $1 or whatever amount that you choose that God puts in your heart, Whatever above your tithe that, you, that God puts in your heart, what does the kingdom builder do? They give to three areas. Local church expansion, multiplying campuses, opening campuses, whether it's in Atlanta, Batteridge, all the different campuses. Number two, the second thing that a kingdom builder gives, that $1 above their tithe, what does another, what does a kingdom builder? They give also to student and future leaders. By the way, oh, by the way, we are currently experiencing a youth Revival. We have over a thousand kids on Wednesday night. I'm all grateful for that. Listen, people don't know. You probably ought to just come as an adult. You probably ought to come on one of our campuses on Wednesday night. It's amazing. So grateful for Pastor Dave Anderson, his leadership in that. He's over all of that. How many of y'all love Pastor David? Come on. Doesn't he do a great job? Okay, okay, okay. So a kingdom builder, for example, we have youth camp in the summertime. We have guys in our church, people in our church, men and women say, they say, I don't want any kids to not be able to go to camp. I want to give towards that. What is that? That's not your tithe. That's called what? That's called kingdom builder. That's an offering and over and above. Does that make sense? You have the people that say that. By the way, we have 85 lead college students. Isn't that cool? We have people that say, you know what? Any kid that wants to go, if they qualify academically, I want to scholarship them. That's not your tithe. That's an offering over above. That's a king. That's where Kingdom Builder goes. To local church expansion, to student ministries, or to local and global missions. Our church, let me tell you something. There's more missions. There's more stuff that's going on around the world. And so let me just give you this real quick. When you open your brochure, look later today. For example, go to the next page, local church expansion. Atlanta South, Baton Rouge, we have projects going on at all the campuses. All the campuses. You'll see things that are going on at all. So you can give towards that. These are all, these are kingdom builders. Go to that next page if you would. I'm very excited about this. By the way, online. Let me talk about online just for a moment. I want to say this to all of our online audience. If you live by one of our local campuses, and I say this all the time, I think it's important to be in God's house. If you're staying home for health reasons, stay home. But if you're staying home for habit because of COVID, you need to be in the house of God. 
Are you with me? So that's very important what I just said. But what we've realized, we don't utilize online just so that people stay home in their, in their pajamas and watch Pastor Steve for 10 minutes. No, we don't do that. What we do realize is that people, some that are sick, they need to stay home or they're traveling. But let me give you the other thing that's happening. We're reaching people around the world that don't live by our campuses. 70,000 people last year. There'll be 10,000 people that'll watch around the world. Oh, let me, let me give you this one. Let me give you this one. We have small groups right now that are in London, that are in England, that are in Honduras, that are in South Africa. Let me give you one. This guy got touched by the Lord. Watch this. You're not going to believe this. this. There's a young guy. He's 26 years old. He, can, he, found, uh, he found our church. He he's, gets fully devoted to Christ. Watch this. He goes through next steps, becomes a member of our church. He's in India, in a restricted part of India. That's why we've got their, their back. We're not showing faces. He wanted to do a, a Christmas candlelight service, okay, for his lost. These are all Hindus, all right? This is not a Christian church. So he rents this little place. He makes a Christmas Eve dinner. He invites all of these people. They do a Christmas Eve candlelight service there, and he preaches Christ to 46 Hindus. Come on, are y'all with me? Isn't that powerful? Now, 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 leave this up for a second. You've got to understand that. That's what your giving is doing. Do you, do you understand that? Look at the next thing here. Not, not, just, not just our, but look, look at our, our, our next slide, our future all the future that we're doing here. You need to be able to read that. Go to the next slide if you can. That's what a kingdom builder does. Remember, tithing is the floor, not the ceiling. That's a lordship issue. That's, that's putting God first. But you say, I want to give over and above that. Well, we're able to reach people. We're able to expand the kingdom and youth and teenagers. And Go to the next page if you can. Local and global missions. How do you think that we fed 75,000 people after the hurricane? People that gave to disaster relief in our church. That's an offering over and above. And anytime that we give an opportunity, every time that people, man, I want to help with that. I want to give to our TV. That's one thing that we never thought we were going to do. Two years ago, when COVID started, we had old people, older people in our church. Oldest relative. Can I have a witness? <laughs> oh, pastor, slow down with that. <laughs> older, mature, chronologically matured. Is that better? Is that is that better? Older people in our church would say, Pastor Steve, we don't want to watch you on a computer. And, and literally, literally, I, we went on TV. I, I thought it would be for three months. The problem is we had so much good feedback. Let me say this very respectfully. So we're on all Sunday morning. We have 20,000 households that watch it for at least five minutes. That's how they're able to gauge it. We have testimonies every week. That, please, don't, please don't judge me for this. We bought one o'clock spots. We're one of the number one programs. Listen in bars in the French Quarter at one o'clock in the morning. How do I know that? Wait, 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 because we're on channel 26. How do I know that? Because you guys have taken pictures of it and sent it to me as a pastor. That, may God be my witness on that. I'm not joking. I'm really not joking. Pastor, look, you're preaching. I'm like, this person doesn't realize what they just did. You know. Praise God that we're able to preach the gospel in the French Quarter at 1 o'clock in the morning. Can we give the Lord a hand clap for that? Isn't that powerful? I got people, I go to New Orleans and look at me like this. They're like, they're like, and they're like, I, and people, I'm just telling you, listen to me. That's you guys. We're doing that together. Everybody say partnership. Remember, this wasn't even my idea. This was God's idea. We're in this together. We're partners. All of us as a church. 
So let me, let me go to this. I got so many stories, but I got to get to Romans here in a second. Go, 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 to the next, go to the next slide if you can. Go to the next slide if you can. And the next one. These are just all the different ones. So, so what are you asking, Pastor Steve? I'm asking this. I'm asking this year. And by the way, and again, I, I teach on tithing one time a year. If you want to miss it next year, it's the third weekend of October. <laughs> go back for 22 years. I only talk... I don't even do the tithes and offerings at the church. One time a year, I got to do a stewardship series. Of one is get out of debt talk. The other one is tithing, and the other one is generosity. That's what I do every year. Different ways, of different scriptures. And so I, we don't, but one time a year. So, but I want to say this. In the very beginning of the year, if you're not a tither, you need to start. It'll, listen, it'll set you free. <laughs> we don't apologize because it'll, it, you know, every day. When you get paid, you give that first 10% to God. Your heart will become so free because you're putting God first. Everybody say God first. Now, so well, here's what I'm asking. This year, pray about, pray about, I want to be a kingdom builder. Kingdom builder is not a concept, it's a person. I want to be a kingdom builder. Plan, what would you put in your budget to say, I'm going to give over and above. Get an amount. I'm going to give X amount, whatever it is. Remember, you become a kingdom builder just $1. I think everybody can start there. By the way, let me say this. Every single person I'm talking to, according to the world standards, you're wealthy. You're wealthy. If we compare the whole 7 billion people, you're wealthy. Everybody can do something. And some of you guys, God has really prospered. To much is given, much is required. That goes in every area of our lives. So everybody say plan. I'm going to ask you guys to plan. What would the Lord put in your heart to give over and above your regular tithes? All right? Number two, stretch. You know what? Let's use our faith and stretch. And I'll give you this last one, dream. I had two guys I had a conversation with last two, two Tuesdays ago. And they said, Pastor Steve, and they're entrepreneurs. I just Pastor Steve, we're actually thinking up right now businesses of what we can do in business to reorganize our lives because we want to be a financier for the kingdom of God. They recognize that this is not their role to do this, but they recognize that, I, that we need to partner together to be able to expand the kingdom of God together. So, so I, I want to challenge you people. Believe God. They say, God, what would you do through my life? There's a dream goal. Put a dream goal in there. So I'll close with this. Give me those last three things. So how does it work? Number one, a kingdom builder simply gives any amount above their tithe and designates it to kingdom builders. I'm going to show you this fund in a second. And the giving envelope or online. Two, you receive exciting progress updates. We're going to give you updates, progress updates all over the campuses. You'll see all this. We did this with Legacy. But we like that term, kingdom builder, better. Three, be a part of a variety of kingdom builder events that you're... Uh, they're designed to encourage you and to resource you. Our goal this year is $5 million above our regular tithes. We bring in about $20 million for our tithes. And so $5 million above that will be about $25 million. By the way, you can go online and look at our finances anytime you want. ECFA.org. We're, we're, we're proud that we're the only, there's only two churches in Louisiana. One is Chapel on Campus in Baton Rouge and one is Church of the King. That our finances are transparent. We're very excited about that. How many of y'all grateful for ECFA? Isn't that powerful? So we're very excited about that. So our goal is $5 million above our tithes. So let me show you this envelope, and, uh, and then we'll close. So here's how it's today. We just rolled this out. So now here it is. Here's the tithe. So how do you do that? If you're writing a check, make it a Church of the King, your tithe, and then you can designate Kingdom Builder, and then you say, well, I want to give towards the projects. I want to give towards mission. You just put it in the memo, what you're designating, what campus you're at, what you're designating. By the way, same thing online. 
Somebody's in Baton Rouge, they want to give to the children's thing that we're doing there. By the way, the campus pastors are going to give you monthly updates, very short, of your particular campus of what's happening at those campuses. And you'll be able to see and we'll have brochure or we'll have updates and where we are in the whole thing. And so here's, here's what I believe. I believe that God is going to astound us this year. By the way, last weekend was the largest attendance that we've had. Listen, apart from Eastern Christmas, since COVID began, how many are grateful that God is building this church? It's God. It's God. And it's because all of us are together. So I'm praying that you become a kingdom builder this year. Man, you become a faithful tither in God's house. And you give above that. You say, God, I want to give X amount. Get a number. And then if you're married, you and your wife, believe together. If you're single, believe what God can do through you this year. So let's pray over our regular tithes and offerings. There's no pledge cards. This is, a, this is a, it's becoming a kingdom person and understanding your role. And so we're going to pray over our regular tithes and offerings. Then I'm going to come back. I'm going to preach. And this is important. I'm going to preach for, for about, uh, it's gonna, the service is going to go seven minutes longer. Stay with me, okay? Because this is a very important message on the book of Romans. Lord, bless your people. For those of you that are giving today's offering, you can prepare it, place it on the buckets on the way out. Lord, bless your people as they honor their giving. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll be back in one minute. Book of Romans, chapter 7 and 8. Welcome all of our campuses, all the way from Baton Rouge to Biloxi, those that are joining us in all of our jails and prisons. Come on, let's just welcome in a week five of hope again. Yes, excited to have you guys. So today, I want to talk to you, listen, this is important, I want to talk to you about potentially one of the most controversial subjects, not only in the Bible, but in conversation today. I want to talk to you about what is the role of the law, biblically speaking, when God talks about the law of God, what is the role of that in our lives today? If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7 and 8. Last week, we talked about the newness of life. If you missed last week, again, very simple. Each week, you can go online. You can download that. But if you missed last week, we talked about this. Here's what we talked about, that when we put our faith in Christ, we're actually taken from Adam. We're born in this life, watch this, with a fallen nature. Every single person, we have what's called an Adamic nature. All right? We're born in sin in Adam, but when we put our faith in Christ, you guys remember the, the claw? Y'all remember that illustration? But when we put our faith in Christ, we're taken out of Adam, and we're actually placed into who? Everybody say it. Christ. We talked about the newness of life. A Christian is more than just forgiven. They're actually transformed in their inner nature. Today, I want to talk to you about a very, very interesting topic. Matter of fact, there are conversations. Listen to what I'm about to say. There's conversations that some of you guys have even had over the last two years with people that try to debunk Christianity. Well, you don't believe in all this Jesus stuff, do you? 
Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, but after all, well, let me ask you a question. Well, do you eat bacon? Yeah. Well, doesn't the Bible say you're not supposed to eat pork? Oh, well, okay, I, yeah, I think, I'm not sure. And so you eat bacon, and so after all, if you eat bacon, and the Bible says don't eat bacon because it's pork, and after all, none of this stuff really applies in the Bible today, and there's no sexual ethic today, and none of that, that's all back then because you're eating bacon, and so the whole thing's a farce, and the whole thing, I mean, it's nice thoughts, but a lot of, con- I'm going to clear up today the number one confusion why you can eat bacon today in Jesus' name. <laughs> Can I have a witness in God's house? Come on, church. Say, Pastor Steve, is bacon a sin? Can you eat it? Yes, you can. Will it keep me out of heaven? No, it won't. It actually gets you to heaven quicker than most of us. Come on, you know. <laughs> Come on now. You're going to be there way before us. All right. <laughs> in this passage alone, in Romans chapter 7 and 8, these two chapters actually... 7 and 8, he refers to the law 27 times. Chapters 7 and 8 are a detailed explanation of what it means to not be under the law, but under grace. Four things we're going to talk about today. Here we go. Number one, the law can no longer condemn us as a believer. I'm going to talk about what that means. Number two, I'm going to talk about the law convicts both believers and unbelievers of sin. I'm going to talk about that today. Number three, I'm going to talk about the law. This is all from Romans chapter 7. Paul's writing to the church at Rome. He's writing to Gentiles, Gentile believers, and Jewish believers in Jesus. A lot of questions about the law. Then and even now. The law is powerless, three, to deliver us from sin. Number four, walking in the power of the Spirit is the key to an overcoming Christian life. So, You may be sitting here today, any of our campuses, asking this question, Pastor Steve. What is the law, biblically speaking, what is the law, and how does that apply to my life today? Because I know what some of you guys, man, you got all kind of questions, you're on, you know, the law, isn't that like, isn't that like sacrificial stuff in the Old Testament? Isn't that what the law is? Or maybe you're saying, well, the law, that's kind of lists of do's and don'ts, and don't do this, and do this, and don't do this, or the law is, well, that's the Ten Commandments, Pastor. Oh, the law, well, that's... That's don't eat pigs and don't eat bats and don't put tassels on your coats. You know, don't do that. Or the law, that's make sure to circumcise your, children, your son on the eighth day. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the law. Well, the reality is all of that includes the law, but there's distinctions within the law. What I'm going to share with you is going to so help you today. Matter of fact, it's going to help you understand your Bible. It's going to help clear up so much confusion, and I, was, I want to be so bold as to say, it's going to help equip you when you're having conversations with people that are skeptical about God. If you understand this concept, it clears up a lot. Okay, in the Bible, when you see the word law, specifically the Old Testament now, and then I'm applied to the New, it's actually talking about three aspects of the law. There's three aspects of the law. There's the ceremonial aspect, that's the Levitical law. What do I mean by that? That's kind of the sacrificial system, and here's what's clean, here's what's unclean. So when you see in the Old Testament the word law, it could be referring to, based on context, you know what it's referring to, ceremonial law. Man, you go into the town square, and here comes the sheep, and we're going to sacrifice the sheep, and and the blood's going to flow. But the ceremonial law was pointing towards something. It was pointing to the cross. 
In the Old Testament, when you hear the word law, it also could apply to the civil law, ancient Jewish law. Hey, an eye for an eye. You remember that? Well, that's civil law. Do we have civil law today? Yeah, but we're not living under the Jewish civil law of ancient Judaism. We're not. But here's another aspect of the law, and that's the, quote, moral law revealed through the Ten Commandments. So I've got a picture. I trust this will help you guys because I want to talk about does the law apply today? What was fulfilled at the cross? What was just in the Old Testament? What's the new? Because when we get to the book of Romans, Paul talks about the law a lot. The question is, what is he talking about when he says the law? All right, here we go. So here, here's the Old Testament, so the ceremonial. Sacrificing lambs, pigeons, all this stuff. That's all, you know, the, the dietary things of this is clean. That's, this is where the don't eat pork, don't eat shellfish. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? All this is in the Old Testament. Well, you know, you're not supposed to eat pork. Well, that's all under the ceremony. What was the point of that? The point of God telling them that in the Old Testament is he was trying to help them identify what was clean and unclean. The point was to point to the, these things are unclean because people are unclean before they come to Christ because we have a fallen Adamic nature. But the clean Jesus Christ comes on the cross and dies for the unclean you and I and redeems us therefore today it's not about what food is clean and unclean it's about do you know Christ because he cleans you in other words it's not about what you can and can't eat today you can eat bacon with a good conscience because he's not defining what's clean and unclean in the old testament it was a picture and a foreshadow of what was to come in Christ does that make sense John the Baptist behold the lamb of God who takes away the uncleanness, the sin of the world. So, we, it doesn't apply to us today, the ceremonial laws. We're not going down to downtown wherever and cutting up lambs to sacrifice. The Lamb of God has been slain before the fact. It's happened now. All right, number two. I'm getting a little excited. I hope you forgive me. I'm just a little excited about this because there's so much confusion about people's Bible. People get like, oh, maybe Jesus is not real. I'm eating pork today. And you're right. No, you need to know your Bible. Number two, the civil law. The eye for an eye, two for an eye. Well, y'all don't reply to that. That's in the Bible. Yo, that's the ancient. Do we have civil laws today? Yes, every culture has civil laws. But we're not applying. We're not living under ancient Hebrew law. Are you with me? That was, an, that was fulfilled at the cross. Now, our hearts have been transformed, and it's the law of love. Do we have laws today? Yes, but we don't live under the ancient civil law. We don't live under that. Three, what about the moral law? Ten commandments. Thou shalt not kill, thou steal. Don't put God's before. Does that apply today? Well, does God still say don't lie? Yes or no? Does God still think covetousness is not good? Yes or no? Does God still say don't commit adultery? Yes or no? Ooh, y'all got quiet on that. <laughs> the answer is what? Say it. Yes. Does God say don't put false gods before him? Yes or no? Yes. The moral law still applies today, but we're not justified. Watch this. We're not justified and made right with God by obeying the law. This actually points out our need for Christ. All right, now let me get the four points. That helped as a backdrop. I got a roll, all right? I got 15 minutes. Everybody stay with me. Here we go. Four truths from Romans chapter 7, verse 8. Now we understand when Paul's talking about the law, what he's talking about. And I'm going to give the clarifications. Here we go. <sighs> Number one, 
the law can no longer condemn us as a believer. Romans chapter 7, verse 1 and 2. Or do you not know, brother, Paul says, for I speak to those who, are, who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For the woman who has a husband is bound to the law to her husband as long as he lives. Stay with me. But if the husband dies, she's released from the law of her husband. Verse 4. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ. Uh-oh, that makes sense. Now I'm getting something's di someone's died. That you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. What is he talking about? Paul demonstrated earlier in the book of Romans that we as humans cannot be saved by works or being you know, part of some, some ethnic group. We're not saved by being part of a group, i.e. Jewish people. We're not saved by our own human effort, i.e. Trying to, trying to be right with God by your obedience. That doesn't make you right with God. Paul's exposing this. Now that we have identified with the death of Christ and we've been raised with the newness of life, the law of sin and death has no more power over us. By the way, Paul's example is illustrating this truth in marriage. By the way, his intention is not to talk about divorce and remarriage here. Paul and Jesus address that in other places. This has nothing to do with that. This has to do with we were married to the law of condemnation and death in the Old Testament. But when we watch this, when, when Christ died on the cross, we put our faith in Christ, watch this, we are now dead to that evaluation system and we're alive in Christ, free from the law of sin and death. You have to understand this. You as a believer are no longer under the condemnation of the law. How many are grateful that you're not right with God based upon your works, but because of work of Christ? <laughs> Through our identification with the death of Christ, it makes believing in Christ everything. It's central. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. Or you've seen Christianity as a list of rules. It's not. It's the beauty that Jesus Christ died on the cross to make you right with God. It's not about your performance. It's not about you being better than somebody else. It's about you trusting in Christ. The law cannot deliver us from sin. Number two, the law convicts believers and unbelievers of sin. So Paul quickly goes, wait, time out. Even though we can't be right with God by obeying the law, don't throw the law out. What law? The moral law. Remember, at the cross, pull my chart back up again. At the cross, the ceremonial law is fulfilled and the civil law. We are no longer sacrificing sheep and doves. We're no longer evaluating what we can or can't eat based upon what's clean or unclean. All of that was a type and a shadow pointing to Christ that we were unclean and he, the clean, died for us to redeem us. That is no longer an evaluation system today. We no longer live under the ancient Hebraic civil system. We no longer, but the moral law applies to but the moral law cannot save us. The moral law points out our need for Christ. It's a revealing of the character of God. But look what Paul says. Romans 7, 7. What shall we say? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would have not known sin except through the law. For what? I would have not known covetousness. There's the moral law, the Ten Commandments. You see how once you understand that graph, you can now understand your Bible better. And you're equipped to deal with unbelievers that are trying to debunk Christianity because you don't know your Bible. Look what Paul says here. I would have not known sin except through the law, for I would have not known covetousness. That's one of the Ten Commandments. Unless the law said, you shall not what? Say it? Covet. 
Paul wanted to make certain that we did not conclude that the law itself was evil. To the contrary, he says the law is good. Pastor Steve, then what is the point of the moral law today? Here it is, to point out our need for Christ. That we can't become right on our own strength, in our own strength. Galatians chapter 3, verse 24. Is the moral law bad? No, it's not bad. And it wasn't fulfilled at the cross. It still applies today. But it doesn't save us. It shows us. Oh, wait. It doesn't save us. It shows us that you and I can't be good in and of ourselves. Galatians chapter 3, verse 24. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to who? Everybody say it. Christ. That we might be justified by what? Say it. Faith in Christ, not by our works. Yeah. So the law is holy, Paul said. The law is good, but it doesn't save us. It shows us. It shows us our need for Christ. Verse 12, therefore the law is holy. The commandment is holy and just and good. Why am I telling you this? I'm encouraging you in this, just like Paul's encouraging us, not to hang the law over our heads. The law is there to point out our need for Christ. You and I cannot obey a law to make ourselves right with God. The moral law of God points out our need. We cannot not covet. I know these are double negatives in English. I understand that. We cannot not covet in our own strength. We cannot not lie in our own strength. We cannot not make things idolatry. So it actually makes us where Paul is. It's like, ah, I can't do it on my own. Good news. You need Christ. Does this make sense? Three people. I feel good. All right, here we go. (laughs) Number three. This is going to so help you. I've heard so many conversations this last year about people. They they just, they get get so tangled up. And that's why my role as a pastor is to equip you with the word of God. Help you know God to fulfill your purpose, but to equip you with his word. I got a lot to say on that point. I got to keep moving. Number three. The law is powerless to deliver us from sin. It shows us, but it doesn't save us. It points out our need, but it doesn't heal our need. It doesn't resolve anything. It points out. Yeah. It's like going to a counselor. I see family patterns. I see all this. You're right. You're a mess. Pay me the money. Now, counselors don't get good counselors don't do that. They give you strategies of how to but 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 the law goes, you're right. You cannot not covet. You cannot not lie. You cannot not be an idolater. Then it just leaves you there. Ah, that's where Christ comes in. Paul is really helping these people. Because the Jewish people that were new Christians were saying, nah, you got to go back and do some of this cutting up stuff. Paul goes, stop it. It doesn't make you holy. You don't cut up stuff. We're no longer sacrificing. It's not about what you eat or don't eat. Your conscience is clean before God because you've been washed by the blood of Christ. Romans chapter 7, verse 14. Man, I'm excited about this. There's going to be so many conversations in our groups today, or this week. Here we go. Romans chapter 7, verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal, sold under sin. He gets real transparent, right? That's what I love about Paul. For what I'm doing, I don't want to, he goes, what I'm doing, I don't understand. You ever been there as a Christian? For For what I will to do or want to do, I don't practice it. For what I hate, that I do. You ever been there before as a Christian? He's talking as a Christian here. If then I do what I 
don't want to do, I agree with the law, that it's good. But now it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Pastor, I thought you said last week that you would become a Christian. You're taken out of Adam. You're placed into Christ. And the power of sin and death is broken off your life and your nature's changed. I said exactly that because the Bible teaches that. But you still have a flesh to deal with. This isn't heaven, baby. We still deal with stuff. But your nature's been changed been transformed on the inside. Look at verse 15 and 16. For what I'm doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, I do not practice. But what I hate, I do. Look at verse 17. But now no longer I do it, but sin that dwells in me. But then he gets really clear. Look at verse 18. For I know that is in me. Time out. He clarifies. Listen to I want everybody to hear. When you become a Christian, you're a new creation in Christ. Your nature's changed. You have been taken out of Adam and you've been placed into Christ. Your fallen nature is changed but you still sin where does sin come from in your flesh paul says it why do i still get mad why do i still lust where does it coming from where's it coming you still have a nurse suit a body look what he says for i know that is in me that is in my flesh nothing good dwells for to for to want to to will is present with me i want to do the right thing but i don't know how to do it all right quick graph quick graph Ooh, i'm moving quick here we go well you're a christian your spirit if i say your spirit your heart, spirit, analogous terms in the Bible, New Testament, heart, analogous terms. You become alive in God. Paul says in Ephesians, before you're a Christian, this is dead. You're dead in your trespasses and sin. But when you become a Christian, you become alive in God. That's why your desires start changing. Your want to changes. Remember, he's wanting to do the right thing. Before you're a Christian, your want to's even messed up. You're just going with the flow. You're going with culture. You're going with the, just the tide of the just let. But now you're new in Christ. You are a new creation. You are a chosen generation. A royal. You are new in Christ when you become a Christian. You're taken out of Adam. You're placed into Christ. But we still sin. Where's the sin? It's now all up in our mind, our emotions, our will, and we still have this body we're dealing with. But if you don't know who you are in Christ, every time you sin, you think that's who you are. No, 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 no. Sin is no longer your identity. Sin now becomes part of your behavior. Ooh. Pastor Steve, time out. Clarify this. Okay, I'll give you an analogy. I'm saved six months. I'm in Lakeside Shopping Center in Metairie. That thing just kind of keeps recreating itself, does it? It's like, a, it's amazing. That thing's been around like 100 years. All right, now watch this, watch this, watch this. I'm walking there. I smell a perfume of a relationship that I used to have. I then, I'm six months, I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm, I'm on fire for God, I'm washed by the blood of Christ. I'm water baptized, I'm in a small group, I'm being disciple, the whole thing. I've been through church thinking, growth class. Okay, I didn't do that, but anyway, so here. So I, so I have this smell, it, it brings a picture in my mind, and I feel all these feelings, okay? And the devil goes, aha, you! Dirty heathen, you're not a Christian. And I'm like, ah, I gotta go rededicate. No, I don't have to rededicate. I gotta renew my mind to find out what happened with me when I trusted Christ as my Savior. Let me tell you something. Christians still sin, but it's not their identity, it's their behavior. Your identity is you're a child of God. Your, your identity is you're ruling and reigning with Christ in the heavenly places. Your identity is your one spirit with Christ. These are all scriptures, by the way. Your identity is you rule and reign in life. Do you sin? Yeah. And that's why renewing in the mind is so important. 
What is renewing the mind? When you begin to understand, you take off the old thinking, you put on the new thinking. That's a whole nother message. I got so much to say. Let me give the last one. So what's the key, Pastor? What did we learn today? Here's what we learned today. The law can no longer condemn us as a believer. The old law has died. We're no longer married to the old law. We're now married to Christ. And we're under the new covenant. And we live by grace. And we're empowered by grace. Don't try to, by the way, don't try to go back and make yourself right again in your own strength. You couldn't save yourself. And you definitely can't watch us change yourself after you get saved. You present yourself to Christ. That's what Paul says is a living sacrifice. And you present yourself to the truth of God's word. You present yourselves. Now, now look, so, so the law, what do we learn today? The law cannot condemn us anymore as a believer. Number two, the law convicts. What does it do? Both unbelievers and believers, it points out our need. It shows us, but it doesn't save us. Three, the law is powerless to deliver us from sin. It's like gives us the evaluation, but then it can't deliver. That's okay. Christ delivers us. But let me give you the last one. The Pastor Steve, how do I live? How do I make sure that I'm doing, how do I make sure that I'm walking with God and not allowing sin to take dominion over my life in my flesh realm? How do I do it? Here it is. Paul answers all of it right here. Last point, we'll close. Walking in the power of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the key to the overcoming life. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 to 4. It's this whole Christian thing is rigged, meaning this. Meaning this, the law points out your need for Christ, then you've got to surrender to Christ, but then you can't obey Christ in your own strength. You need the Spirit of Christ on the inside of you. Does that make sense? I'll say that again. The law points out your need for Christ. Then you get saved by Christ. Then you can't obey Christ unless the Spirit of Christ is in your heart. That's what Paul says. Well, I'm glad I'm forgiven. I just got to try harder. Try harder. How about yield more? It's not try harder. It's yield more. It's just let the Holy Spirit live through you by the power. It's the Spirit of Christ. There's only one person that can live the Christian life. His name is Jesus. And he lives it through you by his Spirit. I know this is new for some of you. This is called the Bible. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. How many of y'all are in Christ? Come on, raise your hand. But wait, but he puts a caveat there who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. What does that mean? Are we giving ourselves to the Spirit? Are we nurturing our spiritual life? Are we growing in the Spirit? The more we grow in the Spirit, the more we have dominion. The more we're able to say no to that, yes to God. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law cannot do, that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending us. The law shows us. The law points us out. The law says you're not right. Oh, Thank you, but Christ saves me. Oh, thank you more. But then Christ gives me his spirit. Thank you most. Yes. It's the spirit of Christ in us. I've lost my place and I can't find it. I'll I'll try one more time. For what the law cannot do and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us that do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Pastor Steve, what are you saying? Here's what I'm saying and I'm done. Number one, the law... Does the law apply today? The answer is yes and no. The ceremonial law does not apply today. Ancient Jewish civil law does not apply today to us. The moral law of God applies to us after the cross. But what does it do? It can't save us. It can't restore us. It can't redeem us. It just shows us our need for Christ. Then we repent, put our faith in Christ. But then we can't obey Christ without the Spirit of Christ on the inside of us. 
Wow. Man, this is transformational. I'm the only one that went to work today. I hope you enjoyed that. All right, so here's how, here's how we're going to finish. I'm just going to let you meditate on this. I'm, I'm just going to pray for you. I'm just going to let you think about what I just said. The law applies today, the moral law. The ceremonial's done. The civil, ancient Jewish civil laws that We have civil laws today, not, not the ancient Jewish civil law. The law shows me my need for Christ. It points out my need for Christ. I then surrender to Christ. But then Paul says the secret to the Christian life is living by the Spirit of Christ. I just want to pray for you. Pastor Doug, if you'll come on up. All of our campus pastors, I'm just going to give it back to the campus pastors right now. They're going to pray for you guys. And uh, Lord Jesus, I thank you. If you do not know Christ, by the way, our altar is open at all of our campuses. We'd love to talk to you about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Let this word just permeate your heart. You can't live the Christian life without the spirit of Christ on the inside of you. You can't live the Christian life in your own performance and works. The law drives you to Christ, but it's the spirit of Christ that gives you power to walk with Christ. You need the spirit of Christ. Lord, bless your people. Man, what an amazing message from Pastor Steve today. And I want to know, did God speak to you something specific during the message today? Maybe take a moment right now and type it in the chat room. I'd love to hear if there was some fresh revelation or thoughts that God gave to you during this message. And for me, man, the fact that we are no longer under the law, that we are no longer condemned, we can be free in Christ. That's some good news and that's worth celebrating. And if that's you and you just made a decision to give your life to Jesus today for the very first time, I want to say congratulations. Man, that is literally the best decision that you could ever make. And as a church, we're cheering you on. We're with you on this journey. And we believe that this is not the end. It's the beginning of an amazing life of following Jesus for the rest of your life. And we do want to come alongside you and resource you as you're beginning this journey. So would you text the word decision to the numbers 822-822? It's really just an easy way for you to let us know that you made that decision and for us to hear your story, to reach out and see how we can best come alongside you and be there for you as your church family as you're beginning to walk this thing out called following Jesus. It's going to be amazing. So go ahead, text the word decision right now to 822-822, or you can click the link in the chat room. We'd love to follow up with you and hear your story. And if you're out there and you're part of our online family, maybe you don't live close to one of our physical locations, man, I just want to say thank you so much for being a part of our church family. It would be my privilege to get to know you a little bit better, for you to go deeper in your relationship with God and really find community here at Church of the King. And let me show you a quick picture. This is a picture of a small group that I've been doing on Zoom with some of our online family members, some guys we've been meeting on Tuesdays and really just growing together in our relationship with God, sharing prayer requests, and really seeing the fullness of life that Jesus has to offer us in the context of community. These guys are from all over the world. They're from all over the United States, from California to Colorado, Missouri, here in Louisiana. And man, it's been such a privilege and a joy to see what God has done as we've come together and really grown as brothers in Christ. And that picture is a picture of what God has for you here. He doesn't just want you, I believe, to be a part of attending a church service, but to really be fully a part and engaged uh, in everything that God has for you here at Church of the King. So two simple ways that you can jump in right now 
is to join our online family Facebook group. It's a quick way, just a quick link that you can that you can join that group right now. And number two, to join our online family email list. It's a way for us to start having a conversation for me to get to know you and for you to get to know our church family as a whole. So go ahead, lean in and be a part of our Facebook group, of our email list and small groups, all that we have to offer. Go ahead and, and sign up for those right now. I promise it will be worth it and God's gonna do so much in your life as you engage in those ways. Well, that wraps up our service today. We have one more week of hope again. So be, be thinking about who you can be inviting to church next weekend. Pastor Steve's gonna be wrapping up our series. It's gonna be amazing. I promise you, you don't wanna miss it. So we'll see you here, same time, same place. We love you guys. Have an awesome week.